Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Somebody came up to me and they were, they, were, they were reading through it and they're like, Jay, great. We're talking about persecution. Like, ser- I mean, seriously, this, this is great. I mean, it's in the Bible, awesome. But like, we're in America, bud. Like, what does that mean for me today? And it kind of stuck me because I was like, you know, like, okay, cool. That's actually a great question. And so as I was getting to this section where there's like the first martyr, we just want to talk about what a little bit about persecution is. What does it look like today? And then potentially maybe a call to our church. Um, I'm going to be in Acts 7. I'm going to start at the very end of that chapter. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there or you can flip there on your phone. And then we're just going to read a few verses today. But I want to start kind of at the end of this story and highlight a few things. But we're at the end of the story where the church is booming, exploding. People are going all over, just exactly what John said. Basically, they're coming to faith and they're telling everybody about this Jesus. Like the simple message that like Jesus came and he died for y'all. He's the Messiah, the son of God. He's gonna save and he saved all the world. Believe in him. The Holy Spirit comes, super simple, but it's like rapidly multiplying. Nobody can stop it. So a lot of the Jewish factions are really ticked because basically they crucified this Jesus, denied him, just like their prophets had said would happen. They don't want to be the bad guy in the story. And a guy named Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's full of wisdom and he's walking the streets and he's being accused. He stands before the councils and he's being accused. And they're making up a bunch of stories like this guy is saying, Basically, that like the temple is going to be destroyed, that the law of Moses is nothing. They're making up all these weird accusations against him. So they bring him in front of like the councils, and they're like, what say you? And the whole chapter 7 is this guy standing up, and he basically tells the religious leaders the whole history of the nation of Israel and the case for this Messiah. At the end of this story. They're so mad. It says they put their hands over their ears because they don't want to hear another word. And they begin to pick up stones and begin to kill this man named Stephen. This is what persecution looked like in the Roman Empire. Let's pick it up. Acts seven fifty seven. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and they dragged him, being Stephen, out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats. They laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, listen, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, his last words, he dies. Don't charge them. 
Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, if you're new to reading the Bible, this guy named Saul gets his name changed a little bit later, and it becomes Paul. Paul wrote over like half of the New Testament that we have in our Bible. This guy begins to experience, or he experiences Jesus in an unfathomable way. Life is radically changed, and a lot of us are sitting here because of the ministry of this guy, Saul. And I feel like it's just exactly what Sean said, like, I mean, if, if God could use us, man, he could use anybody. And I, th- I feel like a lot of the lies we believe is, man, I got to get my life to a certain extent where God's willing and able to use us. But God wants to use anybody who's willing just to say, yes, could you use me? And if you'll just give him your full yes, I don't care what you think your baggage is. God is way stronger. He can carry any bag you can ever imagine. It says a great wave, picking up in verse, I think it's one. A great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, verse two, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. They were so sad. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Verse number four, This is one of my favorites. But the believers who were scattered preaching the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Listen to this. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I don't know if anybody's afraid of the downfall of America and the end of the church and all this stuff. You hear all this da-da-da. I get it. Okay, I get it. But let me tell you, when they got scattered, the gospel couldn't be stopped. The scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of heaven. No matter what takes place, the kingdom of heaven is only going to advance. Saul, verse one, I want to focus here first. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. With the information Saul had, he lived and he acted upon all the information he had. He was dead sure that he was right. So the other day, uh, me and Shannon are having a great talk out on the back, on the front porch, actually. We sat there for quite a time, having an adult conversation. And um, I mean, it had been a while, and it got kind of quiet. And we started wondering, you know, with anybody with kids, like you start wondering when it gets quiet, like something isn't right. Because it should be loud, and it should be chaotic. Things should be breaking. People should be crying, you know? And it was quiet. All of a sudden, the door flings open. And they're like, guys, we have a surprise for you. (laughs) You can only imagine. We stepped into Dick's Sporting Goods in my den as they have removed my entire closet and created Dick's Sporting Goods in our den. (laughs) With the information they had, this was the greatest idea they've ever had. We were supposed to shop and we were handed baskets to go shopping for the rest of the night. They had no idea that we have to clean that up at 10 p.m. What are you thinking? But with the information they had, they were dead sure. They were dead right. And this scripture, Saul was so sure of himself that he was serving God and doing what was right. Until later, we'll find out in a couple weeks that he meets somebody that changes 
all that he thought he knew, <laughs> Jesus. And maybe you're in this room and he's met you in the same way on one of those. Like he met me and changed everything I thought I knew. I don't know much. That's what I do know. But I also was encouraged because a lot of times the people like that in our lives, the most outspoken against Jesus or the most like so sure of yourself kind of stuff, we'll find out at the end of this story or as we read the end of the story, you know a guy, as he's so sure of himself, this guy's getting stoned in front of him and Saul is such a person of justice, is giving justice to this, to this guy named Stephen. And Stephen hollers out, don't charge this against them. I don't know about you, but some of the things that unearthed me in my journey was finding somebody who really walked with Jesus and Jesus was really manifest in their life. And when I saw Jesus, I knew it wasn't me. Like when I saw Jesus in them, I was like, that ain't me and that ain't normal. Anybody? That day, a guy named Saul saw Jesus and he knew that wasn't normal. And I just want to tell you, people who think they are so sure are so close. I promise you. And if you feel like the person in your life that you're dealing with or you're sharing with is just so far, and maybe you just like need some hope today, like if, if Jesus could unearth a guy like Saul, I promise you, I promise you the people in our life that are so sure and set in their ways, if they meet Jesus, it will cause a little bit of something there. A great wave of persecution began that day sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now listen, Jesus prepared the church for this. Let's talk about persecution for a second. Let's talk about first, what did Jesus, how did he prepare these people? Because they were not shocked when this came because Jesus had already talked about it. He talked about it in John chapter 16. Check this out. He tells them, you will be expelled from the synagogues. You're gonna be kicked out of the churches. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. Sound right, Saul? They knew. This is because they have never known the Father or me, Jesus said. They've never known. I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warnings. So you're going to remember. Jesus prepared them. Jesus' words prepare us, friends. Jesus' words will prepare you for everything that you will face in this life. Matthew 24, Jesus also said, you're going to be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. Then the end will come. As I was like processing these verses, I just wanted to say thank you because this is like one, I feel like, outside of my own home, like this is the one place where I just experience like, just like real love in this room. Like I see many of y'all's faces like as we're getting coffee. I'm just like, what a joy. 
I like to hug Jaw's face like, like a baby today. It just felt just so good, man. It just made my heart happy. We just got a good laugh back there. But I'm serious. Like, this is, this is heaven, man. It's not normal. Like, the love that we share is not normal. And I want to encourage you guys. Like, I want to encourage y'all. Like, soak in the love of Jesus before you come in this room because, man, we're going to give away what we've sucked up, you know? What we've soaked in, we're going we're gonna to let go of. And I just pray that we would like soak in the love of Jesus as you come in this place. Maybe you're just dry, like fill up here, y'all. Fill up. Come on. But here's what I want to encourage us as well. Would you take off the mask? I just invite you to take off masks in this room. It's the safest place you're ever going to be. You don't got to hide. You don't got to pretend. And if you feel like this week has just been hell for you, I haven't had time to soak in Jesus, you know? That's okay. Come on. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you. We want to love on you. We want to give some away. But I encourage you guys, like this is a safe spot for you. You don't got to come in here with a mask. You don't got to come in here pretending. Jesus is already aware and he wants to meet you here. I just want to encourage you, please, please, please. You don't have to wear any mask here. There's not a perfect person in this room. And maybe you need that reminder today. It's okay to not be okay. It's just okay. But you're, it's not okay to be alone in the un-okay, if that makes sense. We're in it together. And I promise you, somebody in this room has been through it and can walk with you in it. You are not alone. Don't walk alone. You are not alone. Don't walk alone. And the stuff you feel like you're walking through right now, I promise you, as God delivers you into a promised land, you're going to be able to look back at those people who are struggling through the wilderness, and you're going to go back and be able to walk with them into a promised land. I promise you. There is so much hope in the story that God is writing. He's redeeming all things in your life. But I felt like the Lord really, like, I, I, I pray that we remain a people that stay wide open, we don't got it all together, that's okay. But we are pressing hard into the love of Jesus. And we're here for each other no matter what. I don't know if that mattered to anybody, but it mattered to me for this second. But persecution, man, like what does that look like? Back to that conversation for a second. And I want to describe first off the progression of persecution today. Because as I was looking at the numbers, like there was one particular organization that's now tracking for the past 50 years has tracked like Christian persecution. And it's actually at the highest, the peak in, in the past 50 years is the highest it's ever been for Christian persecution around the world. Largely actually in Africa, little did I know, I thought maybe China, China is increasing that just because of the changes in their government. But persecution starts with rejection. It starts with rejection of ideas. Like, this is a brand new, but I don't like that idea. It's a rejection. But then it morphs into, like, economic hardship. Like, laws begin to get passed. People start maybe ostracizing among their jobs. Around the world, it's been like loans have been refused. Housing's been denied. And then we, they go after freedom, freedom to gather in the temple place largely shut down of leaders. They get arrested on bogus charges, then they're beaten, and then in the past, or now, they've been driven underground. 
a lot of underground churches. But then come the outbreaks of violence like at a whole, like a, a larger scale. But how this really begins to happen, and here's what was pretty fascinating to me, is because it's the same exact thing that happens in the book of Acts. There's a misrepresentation of Christian belief. There's a misrepresentation of Christian belief. And I think this is a word for us today because it happened there, if you go in chapter seven, they bring Stephen out and they've got somebody who's saying what Stephen said. Stephen's saying that the temple is gonna be torn down. The temple doesn't matter. Stephen is saying that the law of Moses doesn't matter and it's, and it's null and void. That wasn't what Stephen was saying. Largely, I feel like it's very similar in our culture today. Christians are, are bigots and haters. I hear that. The message we preach is hatred against, against people who desire to have abortions. If you've had an abortion, my heart breaks. Like, I'm so sorry. And we're here for you in that too. But the misrepresentation of Christian belief in that is so off, but it gets us to be quiet because we want to prove, no, we're not haters. I'm not a hater, right? Anybody feel like a little bit scared to talk because, man, we don't want to be haters? But that lie silences the message. But in this story, Stephen did not get silenced. He spoke into it, and he didn't just defend himself. He said, full of the Holy Spirit, he stood up in power, and he preached this message that just cut to the core. And if you find yourself in a situation, maybe you're being called a hater. I pray for you right now. And Lord, today, many of us are being called haters, misrepresented, and we so want to display your love. But the scripture, listen to everyone. The scripture says if you need wisdom, you should ask. Wisdom is given from above. I encourage you into the place of prayer, not into the place of understanding. Many of us want to fight a war in our understanding, but in fact, we fight not against flesh and blood, but principality and power. We got to fight spiritual. And so, Father, I, I, I ask that you would give us wisdom. You said we could ask, and you would give us. So in this day, Lord, we don't know what to say. You do. And in fact, maybe it's not logical words that we need to say. But Lord, I just pray for each person in this room, Lord, that you would just give us that place or platform, and we would know that moment, and we would speak from your heart to theirs. Give us words. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. But I, I, I've really thought a lot more about this, and I feel like in the past couple of years, I've just seen myself be in fear because I don't want to be seen like this. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a, hate, a hating bigot, you know? But my heart is, and I love those unborn children, man. Like, I love them. They're people made in the image of God. Or like, we're homophobic. I'm not, afraid of, I'm not afraid of people who think they're gay. I'm not afraid of them. I want to love them. How do I love them? Give us wisdom, Lord. Because I just want to tell you, like, just gently and kindly, your identity is so much greater 
than a sexual orientation. The Bible says that you were made in the very image of God for you to identify yourself in any other way far devalues who God really made you. I just want you to know who you are today. You were made in the image of God and he's got amazing plans with your life. Don't settle for second best. You're far more than you even know. That's the word. And then finally, it gets too dangerous to talk on the streets and people flee. But here's the beautiful thing about the church. And this is what I'm honestly amazed at. The number of Christians who have been killed for their faith has risen by 80% in the last five years. The majority of these killings, 90% have occurred in Nigeria, actually. China, finally this year, reached the top 20 in, in the list for countries who are persecuting believers, the top 20. This is the first time China's actually been there in years because there's shifts in government. And I witnessed this when I went to India. The prime minister of India's name is Modi now, and Modi is an extremist. And when we were going town to town, I've never seen fear before, and I've never been in a situation like this. We were going from town to town, pastors were with us, and it got to get dark. And we go into this town in India and I walk into this house and we're welcomed. And before you know it, like they, it is packed in this house to listen up to, about Jesus. And I'm like talking to them and the guys are translating. And I watch their eyes as I'm talking in this room and their eyes, they meet eyes and they get big. And I look in the window and I start seeing some guys who are kind of looking in. And then the guys are like, let's go, let's go. Out of here. Let's get out of here. And I'm like, what is happening? And we wrap this thing up kind of quick and we go. And he was like, and we, we start walking down the street and we're leaving. And like, there's a mass people following. And they were like, no, no, no. Like, the extremists are here. They want to know what's going on. They, they will attack us. We have to get out of here. I'd never been in that situation. John, you've been in plenty of those situations. I just had never been in one. And I was just like, what in the world's going on? It is a very unique thing to sit in a room like that and people fearing for their lives. I've never experienced it in all my life, but it changed my mind and my heart about how easy and how close this actually is to us. We feel like this is like far off. It's so simple. It's not far off. And I'm not fear mongering. I don't want to be afraid of this. I'm not afraid at all of this. But this scripture, I mean, what actually is revealed every time persecution increases, the gospel spreads. The gospel spreads in persecution. The gospel spreads in persecution. But why does it spread in persecution? I believe because the life of Jesus actually manifests in the middle of all those situations the life of Jesus gets manifest. And here's what I want to say at, that really got me. And I'm going to ask the band to come up and then we're going to close. And we're going to have a time of prayer. As they stoned Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Does anybody remember those words? Who else said that word? 
Father, receive my spirit. Jesus himself says this word. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. Who else prayed something similar to that? Jesus. Don't charge them. And you know what shook me about this passage, man? In this moment, Stephen boldly and personally shared not just a sermon, but he embodied an encounter with Jesus. He embodied Jesus. That means like Jesus showed up in Stephen and Saul saw Jesus. One commentator said this, and this is what has inspired me to want to pray today together. One commentator said, um, we can all sit here today and thank Stephen for the fact that we're sitting here today because God answered Stephen's prayer. I'm like, I've passed by that a million times. I've never thought a thing about it. Yes, Stephen prayed, God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. No, God listened. God heard. He didn't hold it against Saul. In fact, he showed up in Saul's life. You think your prayers to the Father don't matter? Jesus paved the way for you and I to connect to the Father God perfectly. You think our prayers don't matter? The scripture says pray according to God's will and it will happen. That moment, Stephen prayed Jesus' prayer and it happened. The Father heard. The Father answered. And today we sit in here because on the deathbed of Stephen, he prayed for a man who was persecuting him. He obeyed radically. The whole fabric of time shifted. People's lives were changed because of a prayer to a, his father who heard. Do you know who you are? Do you know the voice that we have? Do you know he says to pray for those who persecute you? I invite you. May we not see when we step into persecution or people begin to hate us for who we are, what we're walking in, they begin to hate you. Not to see yourself stricken by God, but to maybe join the early church in rejoicing that you stepped into the sufferings of Christ. What if we shifted it? What if we're like, man, Jesus' life is showing up in me. Thank you, God. It's amazing. Hate mongers, stop hating back on them. So thank you, God. They hated you. You said this would happen. Thank you. Now, Lord, fill us that we might love them well. Fill us that we might show this world who you are. But may we not shrink back in silence nor fear. I serve no spirit of fear. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I invite you. Who's the person in your life today that's like hard against you? But I feel like it's more like this. I feel like this story is pretty rare because here's what's happened in my life and I just wanna speak about what happened in my life. 
my friends came to me in persecution first and I wasn't strong like Stephen, I eventually believed them. Yeah, chill out, Jay. I mean, chill out, man. Like, this is too much, bro. Like, you just, it's a little bit too much. Relax, bro. You're kind of, you're kind of getting weird. And I didn't want to get weird because I love my friends. Anybody? Just be quiet. All right. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> you find yourself quiet. Then you find yourself down, kind of disappointed in yourself. And then you kind of, I don't know about you, but like get to the point where you kind of throw up your hands. You're like, well, you might as well join them because I've already kind of gone this far, you know? I'm speaking to, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody in the room. I just want to tell you my story, okay? I invite you to, to ask for wisdom and come back out. Your prayers matter because of what Jesus did. Rest in his word and begin to talk to your dad who hears your prayer. He's got a plan for your friends. And if you simply settle down into their life, they'll never experience Jesus. You were sent there for them to experience Jesus. It might hurt a minute. Suffer well. Endures to the end, will be saved, is what the word said. Just wish it was different. It's not. And I just want to invite you back into real life with Jesus. Not some farce, not some like whatever, ever, I don't know what other, I don't, what Jesus said. This is real. You are called out of this world to be in it, not of it. Come out. Come out and come awake. Open your eyes. Open your mouth to speak. Open your ears to listen to your Father who's speaking to you. Come out. And if you will, I promise you the book of Acts will be relived. The world will get turned upside down. Come out. Stop believing the nonsense. Step in like Stephen. I'm gonna die well, you I'm in it for you. I'm not in it for me. I'm here for you. And I don't care what you say because I love you that much. Who's that person in your life? I wanna pray for them today. I wanna pray for the people in our life that need to experience Jesus and we know it, like need him. And uh, right now, would you just ask Lord, Lord, what's the name? Who, who do you want to show yourself to in my life? That moment Stephen had Saul, who is it in my life? Just ask him, he'll tell you. And then as the name comes into your mind, I would just love it. If, if you would, we're gonna just, you could just look at somebody next to you, just tell them, hey, this is the person on my mind. And if you got nobody in your mind, you don't gotta say it. But uh, I wanna invite us just to have a time of prayer together. Would you just group up in maybe groups of two and three? And uh, let's just, let's pray for each other. If you need somebody to pray for you, tell them, pray for me. If you got questions, ask a question. But pray for those names. And I promise you, we're going to begin seeing God do amazing things. We're going to pray according to God's will. Circle up. Would you just say a pair of twos and threes? And let's pray for the people that's on our minds and our hearts.